Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. We're week five into our identity series, uh, journeying through the book of Ephesians. Who's enjoying this series? Anyone? I, I, I think this is a series for our time and, uh, and it's been speaking to my heart and encouraging me. I trust it's been encouraging you as well. Uh, we have covered four so far as we journey through the book of Ephesians, six chapters, and we're doing six, six identity markers for us who are, as you remember, for those who are in Christ. Throughout the book of Ephesians, as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says that your identity is in Christ. So we'll come up with six identity markers for those who are in Christ. Firstly, week one, I am chosen. We've been chosen. The second week, I am saved. It's the good news of the gospel that we've been rescued, that we've been redeemed, not because of our good works, but because... Jesus died for us. He has rescued us. He has saved us. Week three, Sav spoke on this wonderful truth that I am loved. I'm loved not because of my performance, but I'm loved because of my position. My position in Christ. We are in his family. I am family. That was week four last week, if you remember. And we, are, we, had a, we had a bit of a dance. So I just shared, you know, we had that We Are Family disco going on at the beginning, if you were part of that. And uh, Rod Irvine was supposed to be preaching this morning. Uh, this morning is I Am Holy. And I, I decided to try and find the most holy person in the church to preach. And I asked Rod, who's a retired pastor, been a minister for many years. Uh, but unfortunately, Rod got uh, sick this week, so he's unable to preach, which he's really disappointed with. I'm really disappointed about, I'm, I'm sure you you are as well. And he was too, because he was looking forward to finding that photo of my 30th birthday when I was dancing disco, but I couldn't find it. Well, he managed to find it. And uh, he was looking forward to sharing it with you all. And, um, and that's, uh, that's just horrific. We can, get, we can remove that now. That's definitely not me in my, I look way too old there. Okay, you can remove it now. It's, 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 disgusting. Definitely no holiness there. I am holy. Why don't you just turn to the person to your left or right and say, I am holy. Come on, say it with conviction. I am holy. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? When you say, I am holy, do you believe it? You know, I reckon that when we hear that word holy, we think it's, it doesn't really fit, does it? It doesn't sit with us. I am holy kind of feels unattainable. You know, Paul writes and he says to the church, to the holy people, how can we be holy? How could we be seen as a saint? It seems unattainable. When you think of someone who's holy, you think of someone who's reached the religious pinnacle. You know, there's a whole bunch of images that come to mind when we think of holiness. Firstly, you know, we're going to have some images come up. Firstly, we might think of a Bible, you know, the holy Bible. I've got here a Bible that says, Holy Bible, you know, these, these, these books like the Bible that set these high levels of expectation. If you want to be holy, then you need to obey all the rules that are found in the holy book. Maybe, maybe we think of places. You know, you walk into cathedrals. I've been to, to both St. Peter's in Rome and to St. Paul's in London, the two largest cathedrals 
in the world and they are resplendent. And you walk into them and they are beautiful, they are high, they're majestic and you walk and you feel insignificant because they're designed to speak about the holiness, the otherness of God. And here we come in penitence to bow our knee in, in, in kind of at this place of unworthiness. It's what I think, you know, when you think holy or we think of people. You know, the Pope is, is seen, when you, when you speak to the, uh, to the Pope, not that I've ever spoken to the Pope, but it's his holiness. It's the same with the Dalai Lama, you know, your holiness. Or you think of those amazing people who have been given sainthood. Someone like Mother Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa, who gave her life to the poor in Calcutta. And served and loved in the dusty streets, particularly loving and serving women for many, many years. She gave up her life. She was holy. So the Catholic Church decided to give her the title of a saint. You know, when we think of holiness, we think it's kind of unattainable. Holiness is unattainable. And if we're really honest in our society and culture today, religious holiness, it's kind of unattractive. I mean, when you think of religious holiness, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's stuffy, it's, it's boring, it's conservative, it's dull. To be someone who's holy kind of sounds like someone who's a little bit judgmental. You know, in our world of self-expressivism and personal liberation, holiness, religious holiness, following the, the codes of the law and following the law and the Bible it kind of sounds all a little bit boring. It's not really attractive. Well, what does holiness mean? Well, holiness actually means, it doesn't mean religious. It doesn't mean ticking all the boxes. Holiness actually means to be set apart. It means to be separate. It means to be distinct. And so when Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he is calling them up. He's saying, hey, church, church in Ephesus, I'm calling you to be holy. I'm calling you to be other. I'm calling you to be separate, separate from the culture and the context that you're in. Now, we've already covered this uh, over the past few weeks. We've spoken from the very beginning about the context of Ephesus. Ephesus was a place of power. It was a place of religion. It was a place where Roman culture had uh, worked its way, and it was the capital of Asia Minor, the Roman capital of Asia Minor. It was a promiscuous place. And as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, you hear his concern that some of the cultural beliefs, some of the cultural pressures were beginning to work their way into the church. And so Paul writes, he says, I want to encourage you, I want to speak to you, and I want to call you up, I want to call you out And this is from the very beginning. And this is the amazing thing. As Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, as he speaks to the church in Ephesus, and as he speaks to us today, he says, I'm addressing you, church in Ephesus, as holy people. Verse one, from the get-go, we see that Paul calls the church and he calls us up. Verse one, we read this, Ephesians one, chapter one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy 
people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. The ESV says, actually it doesn't say to God's holy people, it says to the saints. Before any other words, any words are written, Paul says, I'm writing to you in Ephesus, but before you're in Ephesus, you're actually holy people. You're holy and you're in Ephesus and ultimately it's all because you're in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing, in Christ, you are, we are holy. In Christ, you are and we are saints. Why don't you just turn to the person to your left or your right and just say, you are a saint. Go on, you are a saint. And then just say, thank you, receive it. Hey, let's open up our Bibles. Paul's going to speak to our hearts today, I know this, and encourage us, what does it look like to be a saint What does it look like to be a saint? We're going to learn. This is the school of saints today, people. Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 1 and working through to verse 20. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, greedy person such as a person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for being of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in your goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is, the shame, it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but rather exposed by the light becomes but, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, he writes to the church in Ephesus and says, You are saints, you are holy. And the key to this holiness The key to walking in holiness is, as we see in the first few verses, it is love. It's love. Love is the key to holiness. Love is the key to holiness. Follow God's example. We read in verse one, follow God's example, therefore. Now, I reckon Paul is Harking back to the words of Jesus and harking back to the words of Leviticus, which says, be holy as God is holy. Follow in the example of God. And what does the example of God look like? 
Well, it says, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We are called to walk in the way of Jesus. Follow in the way of Jesus and the way of Jesus was love. And the way of love is the way of holiness because there was no one more holy than Jesus. And the characteristics, the life of Jesus is expressed in sacrificial love. This is what we've been covering over the past four weeks that God has given himself to us. God sacrificed himself. And Jesus came and he, he died for us. He showed us his love by giving himself sacrificially for us in love in order that we may be invited back into relationship with him so that we could be his dearly beloved children. And so... We're invited to do the same, to follow in the way of Jesus. And here's the thing. Because Jesus has died for us, because we've been rescued, because we've been redeemed, because we've been saved, we are therefore holy. Let me just give you this dive into theology just for a quick tick because this is really important for us. And you would have, many of you would have heard this already. I'm going to use two, two, two words. Firstly, it's justification. We have been justified. We do not need to earn any more. We stand in a court of law. In the heavenly realms, we are declared righteous, not because of what we've done, but because of what God has done for us. We have been justified. We learned this in, in Ephesians chapter two, when Paul writes, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So we receive our response to the grace of God. The death of Jesus is repentance and faith. We are justified before God. We are made holy. And when we repent and believe, and many of you have done that, you've made that statement. You've said, God, I'm making you king. Jesus, I'm receiving you. I'm repenting and I'm placing my faith in you. I'm receiving your grace. And when that happens, we are made holy. We enter into the sainthood of all believers, justification. We are justified. But then there's also an ongoing work. See, here's the wonderful news, people. Saints are sinners. Saints are sinners. See, let's be honest for a moment. Maybe you have, and I'm sure many of us here have said yes, we've been justified, we've said yes to Jesus, we've allowed his forgiving power to work in our lives. But if we're really honest, we're still sinners. We still do wrong things. How can I be holy? How can I be a saint if I still sin? Well, God's saving work, justification is still at work in us. We are declared righteous because of Jesus, not us. And we continue to walk in the way of love. It's the work of sanctification. We are saved and we are continually being saved. As we allow the presence of God into our lives, God is making us holy. We are holy and we are being made holy. 
we are justified and we are being continually sanctified. That's why repentance and faith is not a one-off event. Repentance and faith, two sides of the one coin, is something that we continue to engage with as the Spirit of God works in us. Or as Paul writes to us, walk in the way of love. See, when we walk in the way of Jesus, when we allow the Spirit of God to come, when we allow Jesus to come into our life, we are invited, we are compelled to walk in the way of love, the way of sacrifice. And here's the wonderful thing. When we walk in the way of Jesus, we walk in the way of love, and the way of love is a way of sacrifice because that's what Jesus has shown us. And sacrifice changes. It transforms. When You know this, right? Whenever you sacrifice yourself, whenever you, when you give yourself to the other, whenever you put down, you push down your desires, whenever you, you put another person first, whether that's God or the other person, something changes in your life. Sacrifice, sacrificial love has the power to transform us and it transforms us to be more like Christ. On Wednesday, my, uh, my, the last of my siblings, I have six siblings, and the last of them got married. Nathan, my uh, youngest brother, got married. I think we've got a photo. And uh, it was a beautiful day up at Toowoomba and a real celebration. It's been a real journey for he and Miriam to get to that point of marriage. And they made some massive declarations. You know how all the, all the, everybody sits at weddings, if you've been married for 10 or more, you know, you've been married a while, you kind of know, wow, they are big vows, all the best with that. Uh, you know, <laughs> am I sounding a little bit cynical? I am actually not. There is a heart and intent as they make these sacrificial vows. Like the reality is, is they're not always going to do everything that they declared that they would do. But their heart and their intent to sacrifice will move them towards one another. See, that's what sacrificial love does. As long, you know, if this is any relationship, marriage or any relationship, if there is a willing to, willingness to sacrifice, your heart and your drive and your motives will change. They will move more towards Love, And this is the key, people, to holiness. Sacrificial love is the key to holiness because sacrificial love changes us. And Paul writes it, walk in the way of Jesus. And when we do this, Paul writes, I'm gonna give you really three quick things that this what happens and we see in this passage when we walk in the way of Jesus when we walk in the way of love when we walk in the way of holiness three things happen firstly we discover a new source of joy Paul gets really detailed he said right you're called to walk in the way of Jesus which is the way of love he says this, but among you there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's what? Holy people. Do not get drunk on wine, he goes on in verse 18, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Like Paul is writing to Ephesus, and he's, he's just naming all the big things that kind of drive the impulses of desire. You know, he's talking about sex. 
He's talking about impurity and greed. He's talking about drunkenness and alcohol. He's hitting some of the big things. And this is not, he's, he, he says, and we read this again in Ephesians chapter two, you were once those people who gratified the flesh, but you're no longer those people. So don't walk in sexual immorality. Don't walk with greed. Don't walk in drunkenness. Don't walk giving yourselves to the impulses of the flesh. He's writing through the context in Ephesus, but he could be writing to the church in Brisbane. He could be writing to us because these things are celebrated in our culture. You know, there's a different kind of holiness in, in, in our secular world. There's a secular holiness, another vision of what it looks like to be whole, to be pure. I, I, I call this happiness. Holiness in our culture, you heard me talk about this before, holiness is happiness. And we, we reach happiness by living out our inner desires, thoughts and feelings. Secular holiness is ultimately all about reaching happiness by living out our true self. I speak about this all the time, but this is the secular vision. And so how do we see that celebrated? How do we see happiness fulfilled? Well, it's through parting. It's through those pinnacle experiences. You know, you listen to, to guys and, and women, but often it's guys after footy matches. What are you going to do to celebrate? How are you going to cap off this amazing emotion? Oh, we're just going to hit the drink, man. It's going to be amazing. You watch media and, the, and the, the pinnacle points, the apex of happiness in lots of movies is to get that guy or that girl in bed. That's happiness. Sexual experience, or it's, it's bling, man. It's, it's hitting it, it's getting that money. You, that you can go and buy whatever you want. Happiness is found in getting money. But we know, right? Let's be honest, let's pause for a moment. One, this isn't working, and two, as we look at, at the experiences of our world today, this pursuit of happiness is actually not making us happy. The cravings of the flesh fail us. The pursuit of happiness is failing. Richard Layard, uh, who's a well-being expert, writes this. He says, extra income, he's, he's writing about money for a moment. Extra income is really valuable when it lifts people away from sheer physical poverty. This corresponds to one of the key beliefs of the 19th century economists that the extra happiness provided by extra income is greatest when you're poor and then declines steadily as you get richer. His point, unless you're in poverty, money doesn't make you happy. Money doesn't make you happy. Come on, just for a moment. Do you believe that? Or are you thinking, if I just had a little bit more, then I'd be okay? Or if I just had that relationship, I'd be okay? If I just had that experience, or if I just... It doesn't make you happy. It does not give you joy. Holiness, the way of Jesus, Paul says, gives you joy. Why? Why? because you're filled with a different kind of spirit. It's not alcohol 
which often dumbs the pain. But there is a spirit, he says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the spirit. And Paul understands that if you are filled with the spirit, you're walking in the way of love, the spirit of God comes, there is a fruit that brings life and light. He says, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness. Do we want all goodness? All righteousness and truth. In Galatians, you know that the fruits of the Spirit, these are the things that I think that actually every human person really wants. Love. Love is the thing that every human heart craves for and desires. More than anything else, we just don't know how to get it. Paul says, when the Spirit comes in, you are filled with His fruit. And in Galatians 5 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want to grab hold of self-control for a moment because Paul is saying, hey, when you have the fruit of the Spirit, you have love, you have joy, you have all these other things, and you have self-control. And when you have self-control, you have true freedom. See, we think, and this is the lie of the age, when I set myself apart from others, then I will find true happiness and meaning. But that's not true. When we are set apart by Christ, we actually find a freedom. A freedom that makes us not slaves to the things of this world, but actually gives us a deeper power so that we're not controlled by money, sex and power. The Spirit of God gives us a new kind of joy, a new kind of power, a new kind of freedom. Be filled be filled with the Spirit because that is what gives you the real stuff. Holiness gives us, we discover a new kind of joy. Secondly, in holiness, in the way of love, we discover a new way to speak. And we see two things going on here that Paul says. Firstly, when you're filled with the Spirit, when you operate in, in, the, in, in the way of love, in the way of holiness, you'll actually remove words that tear others down. He says, nor, this is verse four, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place. When you walk in the way of Jesus, in the way of love, in the way of holiness, your language changes. I remember, and this, I'm sure this is an experience for many of you. I remember when I got my first job coming out of university. It was my first full-time job, and it was an old-school oil company, Castrol Oil at the time. I mean, there were, there were so many people that had worked there for 30 or 40 years. Like, that's just unheard of now. Um, but this was an old-school kind of um, company. And I, I rocked up here, clean, kind of like, you know, a clean, clean cut past this kid Christian. And uh, it was a baptism of fire. And I remember the first few weeks, I, I, I must have just, I stood out like a sore thumb because I was the only Christian in the organisation. And, and I, my language was just really clear that I was different. I, I didn't swear. In the lunchroom, I didn't laugh along with the coarse joking or didn't tell bad jokes. And so I reckon within one week, all the, all, all the, all the people in the organisation were going, this guy's a little bit strange. He's a little bit different. I'm sure you've experienced this, this as well. But here's the thing. Over time, people began to trust me because they knew that I was safe. I wouldn't be the guy bad-mouthing people behind other people's backs. I wouldn't be the guy who'd be complaining. 
And I had state managers and, and, peop- and, and others draw me into their office, say, Andrew, I just want to talk to you about some things going on in my marriage. My f- Here I am, a 21-year-old. <laughs> so I've got no idea, I can tell you. I know I'm not ready for marriage. But it wasn't, they, weren't, they weren't asking for advice. They just knew that I was safe. See, we, when we walk in the way of love, when we walk in the way of holiness, we don't find words to tear others down. That's the invitation, that's the challenge that Paul speaks to the church in Ephesus and he says to us as well today. How's your speech? See, conversely, we're, not, we're given words that don't tear people down, but we're actually given words to build people up. Paul writes, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another. See, when you're filled with the Spirit, you speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that your whole, this, Paul is not saying, once you become a Christian, your whole life becomes a musical. It's kind of like, be filled with the Spirit, and then all of a sudden, you just begin to sing. It's kind of like the whole, the whole thing's lame is, or whatever. It's kind of, that's, now, that is a nightmare for a whole bunch of people. I think Liz, Liz up the back is very excited about that. Any, anyone, would anyone just like the world to be just one big musical? Just like, <laughs> there's a few people. Paul's not saying that. He's not saying once you become a Christian, it's just one big musical. What he's saying is that your language is now salted. As he would say in Colossians, may your language, may your speech be salted with the Spirit. It spills out and you spill out. And firstly, there's two directions that go on when we speak. Firstly, what we speak to one another, but we're encouraging one another. There's a spilling out of joy. There's a spilling out of life. You know, my mum, she's known as Happy Smiling Andrea because my mum is a woman of joy. And often I'll be around her and what will she be doing? She will be singing because there's joy in her heart. See, when there's joy in our heart, it spills up and it edifies and it points others. See, a holy community, this community is a community where we need to encourage one another and point each other up, call each other up, bless one another. We don't tear people down. We don't put people down. We don't curse people, but we encourage people and we point them towards Jesus. A holy, holiness is a community that builds people up. A holy community, holiness is a community that encourages sideways and then upways. Holiness is a community that loves to worship Jesus. Holiness is a community that loves to give thanks to God. Paul says, giving thanks. That's why we worship. I know sometimes we walk in and it's like, oh, we've got to do this again. But then it's, it's, it's actually engaging our hearts and saying, God, give me your spirit. Give me a joy. It's really interesting. I made note of this last week. We went away. We took the men away from man camp down at Christmas Creek just for 24 hours. I've got to tell you, I've never seen men sing like it in my life. Men who I've spoken to have told me, oh, I can't sing in tune. I don't care. We don't care. Because the reality is, is when we lift our voices, we are encouraging, we're reminding one another of who God is. 
His power, His wonder, His glory. When we gather together and worship, this is not a performance. This is not about how good or bad you sing. This is about engaging your heart with God and telling everybody else, this is who God is. It's a natural outworking of walking in the way of Jesus. It's a natural outworking in the way of God. We discover a new way to speak. And then thirdly, Paul says, we discover a new way to live. We discover a new wisdom. See, being in Christ allows us to see with clarity. He says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Live as children of the light. Live not as the unwise, he says in verse 15, but as wise, the way in which we live with wisdom and not foolishness is by being able to see truth with clarity. In the fog of culture, as Paul is writing to Ephesus and as he writes to Brisbane, to us today, he says, you need to see clearly. If you are to walk with wisdom, if you're to walk in love, if you're to walk in holiness, then you have to have eyes to see. That is what I give you. That's what the Spirit gives us when we walk in holiness. We ought to see with clarity. And some of you may have remembered uh, the, uh, the death of JFK Jr. in 1999. JFK Jr. had just got his pilot's license and he was flying with some of his family members up to uh, Martha's Vineyard for a wedding left the East Coast, New York or somewhere around there, flying up north, not a long trip, and it was a, 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 a perfect day. But it was a hazy day. And he was flying out over the ocean and there was no mayday call. There is no sign of any uh, engine malfunction. But JFK Jr. flew his plane straight into the ocean, killing himself and everyone on board. The investigators were trying to figure out how did, how did he die? How could a, a, a seemingly competent yet inexperienced pilot just fly his plane into the ocean? And they came to the conclusion that JFK Jr. had experienced spatial disorientation. You see, it was quite hazy uh, where he was flying. And because he, uh, the, the plane he was flying and, and his... his uh, uh, his qualifications meant that he, he wasn't allowed to fly purely on instrumentation. He had to fly by sight. And it was a particular hazy day, the day he was flying, and what happened was that he couldn't distinguish the horizon. He couldn't see where the ocean ended and the sky began. And so, without having any ability to manage the instruments and flying only by sight alone, he accidentally flew that plane straight into the ocean. A university ran some tests a little bit later on and 29 pilots had to go in a simulator test in the same, uh, same situation. On average, it took 173 seconds for pilots with no instruments, purely on sight alone, to crash into the ocean. Less than three minutes. See, here's the thing. 
God gives us a way to see. When we walk in the way of Jesus, we're able to see through the fog and the confusion of a a city, a culture, a society, a world that compels us to live a certain way. See, culture by name is is essentially the ocean in which we swim. We can't see because we've been weaned on it. We've grown up with, with certain paradigms, certain ways of seeing the world, certain ways of behaving. And unless we have something that steps from the outside, an instrument that enables us to see in a new way, then all of this stuff doesn't make sense. And Paul says, I'm calling you to live as children of the light and the light is given to us by the light of the world, which is Jesus. We're called to walk in the way of Jesus. And when we do, we see with a new clarity, we've got a new instrument. It's the way in which we avoid destroying our lives. We see with a new clarity when we walk in the way of holiness. Being in Christ enables us to see with clarity. And secondly, it enables us to understand God's will. When we can see with clarity, when we can see what this world and what our flesh connected is driving us to, and we can see actually the invitation of what Jesus is calling us to, which is the way of love, then we can discern His will, His good, pleasing and perfect will for our lives, as Romans 12 says. And it comes through the way of sacrifice. Paul writes, therefore, in verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You wanna know what God's will is for your life? Well, he says it in verses one and two. He says, walk in the way of Jesus. Follow God's example. Walk in the way of love. Walk in the way of sacrifice. That is the way to be a saint. That is the way to know the power of the Spirit. That's the way to know true joy. That's the way to find a new way to speak and a new way to bless. It's a new way to live, to live with wisdom and not foolishness. We are called to be saints. We are saints. We've been made saints. Any of us who have said yes to Jesus, we've received His love and His power into our lives. We've received His Spirit. We are saints. You need to take hold of that afresh today. And to say, I'm a saint. And God is continuing to make you a saint. You are holy. That's what Christ speaks over your life. And you are continually being made whole. You're continually being made holy. And when we walk in this way, we're liberated and we're free to love. We're free. We're free. We see clarity. We're secure. We don't need to worry about the pressures around us. We don't need to worry about the expectations and the impulses and the desires to be happy because we have a deeper joy, a deeper life. I reckon this is a reminder for us today. We need to, we need to take hold of this again. I reckon there's a response. So there's two responses that I'm inviting us to. Firstly, it's... it's it's one of, it's actually repentance and faith. One is the repentance. I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite us to do two things in a moment. 
as physical steps and acts for this. Firstly, it's repentance of saying, God, I'm sorry that I believed the narrative. I've got caught in the haze and the fog of this world. I believe that money is actually more important than you. I believe that actually uh, gratifying the self is more important than you. Believe that relationships are more important than you or family is more important than you. Whatever that is that makes you me happy is more important than you. And there's a, there's a, there's a surrender to that. And, there's, and then there's this taking hold afresh. It's this, God, fill me with your spirit afresh. Fill me with your fruit afresh. Fill me with your grace afresh. And we're going to do that in a minute in, in different ways. But before we do that, and we've been doing this throughout our series... If you're here this morning and, and, and you say, you know what, I haven't received Jesus into my life. You're sitting here and maybe you've been coming to church for ages and you've just been dancing and you've been, you know, kind of coming to church. But, but actually, if you're really honest, you haven't said yes to Jesus. You're not in Christ. Jesus is not Lord of your life. And you know you need His life. You need His forgiveness. You're walking in a separate way from Him and you need Jesus to come into your life. I want to invite you to a place of saying yes today, receiving Jesus into your life. So come on, why don't we just bow our head, close our eyes. This is how we roll here. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you here today, today is the day and you say, I want to be a saint. I want to be holy. I'm giving up, I'm giving up striving. I can't do it and I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. If that's you, I'm just going to invite you with every head bowed and every eye closed just to raise your hand and say, that's me today. That's me today. I want to follow Jesus. Just where you are, just stick your hand up high in the sky. Anyone here? few more seconds to give you an opportunity. Your heart, mind is pumping and just going, yes, I want to be whole. Anyone? It's all good. All good. Why don't we, uh, why don't we, we can open your eyes. We just, if, you, if, you're, if you're on that journey, you've got questions, I'd love to chat with you after and speak with you about what it means to walk in the way of Jesus. I'm going to get the band to come up. Before we sing, here's these two movements that I want us to do. The first movement is this. It's one of surrender, sacrifice, repentance. I'm going to invite us just to, to kneel. If you're able and willing to do that and you're wanting to do that, of just saying, God, afresh, I surrender. Fresh, I repent. I've believed thing, you know, I've, I've been distracted. I've got caught in the haze. I've allowed the, the, the messages and the truth of my surrounding world become more important and louder than your voice. And as we kneel, just bring it before Him and repent and say, God, again, I'm placing you center of my life. Help me to be the saint that you've called me to be. And I'd love to pray for us as we do that. If that's you, I'd love for you to join me if you're able to and willing to, just to kneel, just right where you are.
just as PJ plays, just come before a God who loves you. Take hold of all its I am statements. I am chosen. I am loved. I am saved. I am family. Take time just to let go. Hand over. thank God that He has made you holy. Take hold of this truth that He has made you righteous. Holy Spirit, just come right now. We find ourselves surrendered to you. Do a deep work in our hearts, God. Where there is foolishness, God. Bring right thinking. Where there is pain, God, bring healing. Where there is regret, God, will you bring restoration? Pour out your grace and your spirit upon us. In Jesus' name. We worship you. We thank you. We take hold of this beautiful truth that we are holy. Praise you worship you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't you uh, grab a seat again if you're able. Might need to help some other people up. (laughs) One more movement and we're going to worship. If you're here today and you just, you want a fresh touch of the Spirit, might be just a new joy, might be new life. Maybe you're trying to discern God's wisdom and His will for your life. Maybe you just want that, uh, just a, a fresh sense of His grace. You just want a fresh filling of His Spirit right now. I'm just going to invite you to stand and then we're going to worship. But if that's you right now, you need something fresh of the Spirit in whatever area it is, just stand where you are right now. Love to pray for you. Anyone else? Fresh pouring of the Spirit. Just stand where you are. Come on. Alrighty. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, cool. 
Here's what I'd love to do. Just people will look around. We're going to do ministry together. This is something we do as a church. We bless one another. We pray for one another. And so just look around right now for those who are standing. If, if there are people sitting, uh, standing next to you and you're sitting near them, uh, if you're comfortable and willing, I just encourage you just to stand next to them and just lay a hand on them. We, we all get to minister and pray together. Come on, just gather around them right now. Come on, let's stand and move. Move, look around. You don't have to know them. And if you can get around in front of them, that's helpful because you can just then see what God is doing. And because God wants to speak and He does speak. Now, the, now, now what we do, and, it, and Paul tells us, he says, when we pray for one another, with the encouragement, when we prophesy, it's for words and edification of building up. The building up of believers, okay? So, so let's, let's keep it within that vein of encouragement and building up. Words spilling out of encouragement and just begin to pray one at a time. Say, God, what are you saying? And then just pray blessing. And maybe it's just come Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, God, that you just love this person. Come and fill them. Come and fill them. Just do that. Come on, let's minister to one another. Let's bless. Everybody else, come on, let's stand. And we're going to worship and we're going to sing together. Come on, let's do that. Let's worship. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.